We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast, bi-week edition. Things are not going swell. Uh, joining me as always is Kyle Porter. We're going to have Bill Haston on here in just a minute, Kyle, but uh, are you enjoying your bye week? Uh, I'm going to the state fair tonight. I don't know. I was if, just there. Yeah. I, uh, I'm probably going to end up spending more money than you did with a bunch of kids. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about that. I don't, I don't know. The bye weeks, it's, it's weird because you start looking back and you're like, didn't, didn't this just get started? Like, didn't we just start? And then there's only five weeks left after this week. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been good. It's been a, some nice downtime. Well, you got to do your dad duty and win like a giant stuffed animal. Like you're gonna have to spend money until you do that pretty much. Yeah. I think I'm just going, uh, I'll, I'll push the stroller and go for the fried Oreos and that's about it and pay for the rides. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't get into the games. I, I just, it's all, it's all. I don't. I don't read it. I don't play them. I don't. I, I don't trust them. <laughs> I mean, how well are those things inspected? <laughs> uh, there's probably some uh, Oklahoma State football jokes to be made in in there somewhere. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I'm excited about going to the fair with the kids. It's always a good time. Well, do you want to talk about OSU football? I don't know. We don't, ha- we we don't just, have to. Should we just talk about fair games instead? Yeah. Uh, you you did want to discuss a few things. I think your your number one topic was, and look, we're going to get into the quarterback stuff plenty with with Bill Haston of the Tulsa World. He's going to join us here in a second. But uh, you kind of made a little list for me here. Uh, biggest non quarterback fix for Oklahoma State. Yeah. Uh, what would you say? And I'll then I'll give mine. Well, I wrote about this. It's it's not it's not super specific. I I just think there has to be the realization that they're they're not as good as the teams that they're playing. That's pretty clear. And the lack of creativity and trying different things is astounding. I mean, Gundy's always been conservative. We see this in we see this in the OU games. We see this against big time teams. He he, he operates as if he has like. Uh, you just pick an Alabama team where his defense is awesome and his running backs are awesome and his offensive line is awesome. That's how he loves to operate. And I just, it, it sort of makes sense when they have a good quarterback and, and Oklahoma state has a good team, but it doesn't make any sense right now because they're, they're outclassed, they're outmatched. And you have to, you have to, you have to tip the scales in your favor and they're not doing right now they're not doing that right now and i think it's been pretty disappointing from gundy yeah that's by far i thought you wrote a really good piece about that that by far is the most disappointing thing i mean obviously they're not good at quarterback they're not good at special teams they're not good at defense (laughs) we understand all those things but there's also a severe lack of aggression a severe lack of creativity and you're right. Like, when is the last time? Have you looked this up? You posed this question in your article. When's the last time they faked a punt? I have, I, have, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I, I think Quinn Sharp against Arizona is the last one I remember at home, <laughs> which like was what 2011, that 11 or 12? I think that was 11. Uh, okay, uh, the home, that home Thursday, game against Arizona, the Thursday night game. Yeah. If so people are listening, years. if people are listening and they remember one between then and now. Uh, tweeted at us because I I I legit have, I, I I legitimately question whether they even know how to run one. 
If it's in the playbook, I love that yeah. line by you. Or a fake field goal or anything. Onside kick? Do something, you know? Well, in their defense, they don't have a special teams coach. So no one's there to tell them what to do. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> uh, my fix is along the same lines, Kyle. Just playing to your personnel on offense. Like, we all agree a, yeah, Cornelius has not been good. But I think Mike Gerson has done a bad job with just what he's been given. You know, they're not using Cornelius how he should be used. It's a point you've made in the past. But just go back to that Kansas State game, the first series where they're just dumping it off to the running backs. You don't know where Chuba and Justice are going if you're the Kansas State defense. It's awesome. And then we never saw it again. It was just totally bizarre. And I do think there's a legit criticism. Look, we all love Tywin Wallace. We all agree he's a star in the making. It does appear that the play calling is as simple as this play we are throwing it to Tywin no matter what else is happening on the field. They're a little rigid in that way with the passing game, it seems to me. So I would definitely loosen up that rigidness, and I would utilize <clears throat> the running the running backs to me, Kyle, are their best skill position that they have by far. Yeah, Justice, JD, and Chuba. And they're kind of underutilizing them. I mean, Cornelius has as many carries as Justice Hill. We all know that. But I would even go as far as to say they're underutilizing JD King and Chuba Hubbard in the passing game as well. That's a great point. I, I talked to someone who knows things last week and they talked about how in the offensive room there's a there's a lot of loud voices and there's a lot of this person was just talking about how there's such an unwillingness to take short short passes just six yards seven yards five yards just up and down the field because if you watch the k-state game that, that was there right i mean we saw that on the first couple of drives and it's like oh this is this is a revelation chuba chuba out of the backfield this is amazing and then all of a sudden it's just cornelius doing what he can't really do that well and trying to find tyron and tylen deep now can you should you try that every once in a while absolutely but they're, they're kind of operating as if that's like his his deal and it's it's not. I don't know if anybody has noticed that. He's not a good he can't he can't hit on the deep ball. But he's a, he's a good short passer. I mean, I don't I'm not denying that. I think he's been really solid a lot, a, around the line of scrimmage, but for whatever reason, they just there's an unwillingness there to do that. Yeah, that that to me would be the biggest fix cuz I think the defense it, they are what they are. Um they're going to give up points. I didn't think they played that poorly against Kansas State, specifically the first half. I think that was more of a case of them looking over on the sideline going, well, we're not going to score ever again. And they look over at the head coach who who punted down two scores with eight minutes to go or nine minutes to go. I mean, at what point did the team quit? I think it was at that moment right there, at least defensively. Yeah. So. Uh, you want to talk about one more of these and then we'll call Bill? Yeah. Uh, I, I guess my question for you, Carson, and, and this is something that we, we sort of brought up yesterday with me and Kyle and Kyle is, can it get worse? Does it get worse than the K-State game? And, and my thinking was the K-State game in 2018 could be like the Texas game in 2014 where you're like, wow, that's, that was the low point. But I don't know. I'm, I'm curious if you think it gets, if it, I mean, obviously it can get worse. Do you think it will get worse over the next few weeks? Absolutely. If they keep playing the same quarterback, I mean, they were favored. They were favored in their first seven games, Kyle. They're going to be they're going to be underdogs the remaining games. I know they are. They're going to be so, a dog at, at Baylor. 
I don't see how it doesn't get worse if they just stick with status quo and don't shake things up. I mean, they could go four and eight, Kyle. That's how much worse it could get. Mm. And I mean, I know Gundy said they're not making any changes at quarterback. I have to believe the. At this point, you're you're almost too deep into the season to burn a red shirt for Spencer Sanders or even Drew Brown for that matter, I guess. So I expect Cornelius to play against against Texas, but. I do expect to shake up for the final four games, which at that point, your season's almost already lost anyway. So it's really just a lost season, which you wrote an article about 2014 parallels. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing, right? He was just doing everything he could to redshirt Mason Rudolph at all costs, despite scoring, was it 14 points against Texas? It took Dax Garman getting hurt to pull Mason's redshirt. Yeah, they scored seven. And here's the thing, Kyle. Same thing with Spencer Sanders. If you pull... If you don't pull Mason's red shirt that year and don't go to a bowl game, Mason still isn't here. He still is not on the team. He leaves with James Washington, doesn't he? I mean, you can't you can't be scared of a guy losing a year when he might just leave anyway. I mean, Mason would have left a year early probably had he not played that freshman year. I would be making that argument if not for the red shirt rule where I do think they're – because you get the benefit, right? You get the benefit of that experience and that momentum by being able to play somebody four games. So to me, you're talking about like the difference in one game, and I don't I don't think that's worth it. I don't think it's worth it to play Drew Brown or Spencer Sanders against Texas uh, for, the, for the sake of just getting that – I mean, it, it could be it could be ugly anyway. Um, but, yes, I, th- I think – the red shirt rule saves them. Otherwise, I would be arguing what you're arguing. Just play them right now. Burn, burn the. I don't care about the red shirt, uh, but I do think that I do think they should wait until until Baylor. But the the Texas parallels, Carson. I, w- I went back and looked. Kansas State game fewest yards, points, and first downs by an Oklahoma State offense since 2014 Texas. That's how that's how long it's been. And so that was my thinking of like, wow, is it going to be worse than this? Because I I hope not. But we're kind of looking at, like, 2005, the year they almost lost to Montana State. Oh, man. Uh, Speaking of, uh, we were going back through that year, 2005. I'd forgotten that Al Pena – remember, you thought Al Pena played in, like, 2001? No, he played, like, seven games in 2005. And get this. really? Get this, Kyle. We looked up the footage. I had to see it to believe it. In 2005 against Texas Tech, they beat the 13th-ranked Texas Tech that year in 05 when they were terrible. Guess who got pulled from that game? Bobby Reed. He fumbled out of the back of the end zone. He, Mike Gundy pulled Bobby Reed and put in Al Pena. Wow. But he's sticking with Cornelius. <laughs> That's the, the, I think uh, Mike Hamilton had like 200 that game. He had an 86-yard touchdown in that game. He was awesome. That was a great game. I was at that game. It was a good game. Yeah, college days. It's about the only one. Okay, uh, we need to call Bill Hasten. It's time for the Coop Works Guest of the Week. Coop Works brewing great-tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy cold Coop Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. I- I'm excited for Bill today, Carson. I-, I think he's gonna. I think he might have some spicy takes. Bill Bill's always a great guest, and he always kind of has a, a good pulse on, on what's going on up in Stillwater, so I'm, I'm yeah. interested to hear what he thinks. Okay, let's give him a call. Okay, joining us right now is columnist for the Tulsa World, Bill Haston, longtime OSU beat writer as well. Bill, how are you, and what in the world is going on in Stillwater? Well, I'm, I'm doing very well. Um, 
we've reached the midway mark of one of the more uniquely weird seasons, uh, not just for OSU, but in the state of Oklahoma. I mean, you got a lot of drama in Norman with the midseason, in season, you know, firing of Mike, uh, Mike Stoops. And then the T, uh, University of Tulsa season has been massively weird because they got everything turned around defensively and they're really exceptionally good on defense. And then, but offensively, they're just, they're just dreadful and should have beaten University of Texas, should have beaten a couple other schools. Uh, but here they are with a five game losing streak going to Fayetteville. And then the Oklahoma State, chapter in all this is just it's just bizarro world with uh, I don't know I don't I mean I was thinking about this the other day Carson watching the K-State game and it's like for the first time I detect a little bit of uh, with it with these players first of all I detected a lack of effort uh, I detected uh, a lack of giving a damn uh, in the second half of that game and uh, on some of the couple of those Alex Barnes touchdowns, any of the three of us, even me with a broken leg right now, could have scored <laughs> through those openings. I'm not kidding. And that, and that was a disgrace. And so I'm thinking, you know, what what was endearing about Gundy's teams for so long is that the program kind of had a spark about it. You know, it's like when you put a stone up against a grinder and sparks fly off of it. That was Gundy's program for a while. And it didn't always win, but – when they faced a team with lesser talent, they they put their foot down and they just smoked them. I mean, how many times did I see them lead Baylor 35 to seven at halftime? I mean, that's the way it was. And then against teams with equal talent, uh, they played their ass off, and they more often than not they found a way to win. And then and then you know and then against teams with better talent, in most cases they competed really well. And there was just an energy about everything for so long. And now for the first time, really, I detect like this ridiculous sense of entitlement or just by virtue of being wearing that uniform that you know we're we're going to roll out here and and we're going to win the game and i I just don't there's just not the same spark with the program today that i saw in all the years that i covered them and you know we or i certainly have written a million times and mark cooper has and you guys are aware of it but you know it's an unprecedented run of success for the program with six, ten win seasons and in, in the last eight. But if you flip it around, you know there are three losses now. Uh, the second half of the season could be pretty bleak with what's ahead on the schedule. So I think it's pretty safe to presume they're going to finish with at least five losses. So that this you know this will be the third season of at least five losses in seven in seven years. Uh, and so if the program has risen to a level where it's pretty consistently putting up 10 win finishes, then you would think too, that maybe the program is beyond these setback, weird setback seasons like 14 and now 2018. But I don't know. I mean, he's got a prop Gundy has a problem at quarterback. He's got a terrible lingering problem with the offensive line. And I was one of the ones that believed it because I guess just because, Gundy was so adamant about insisting that they were going to be so much better up front. And it's, it's just not been, it's just, I, I marvel. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that they're letting a guy like justice Hill go to waste. Just like to some extent, yeah. they, you know, they had Mason Rudolph. They had 
uh, one of the three best quarterbacks in the history of the program uh, all that time and never, never really ever put a good offensive line in front of me. I mean, everything he did, all those records he set, all those achievements, he did that in spite of that offensive line and not because of it. Uh, so anyway, it's just it's, – it's a weird season. The, the Iowa State game was uh, – I'm more inclined to kind of tip my hat to Iowa State for having the guts to roll a freshman third-team quarterback out there and get the ultimately good result out of it. And then Texas Tech won with a guy at Stillwater who was the number three quarterback at the start of the season. And then it got me to thinking, you know, Spencer Sanders is number three guy in Stillwater. Spencer Sanders is the most decorated quarterback Gundy's ever signed in that he was the player of the year in the state of Texas. Uh, not the quarterback of the year, but the player of the year in the state of Texas. You bring him in uh, with the belief that he's going to be the face of your program. And, and then now you've lost three games in four weeks all against teams you were favored to beat. And so I'm thinking, you know, Gundy had a crisis in 2014, and he made the choice to strip the red shirt off of Rudolph, and he saved the season and went on and had a great career. And I'm thinking, you had a week off to think about this and to practice it. And so, you know, I know what he said yesterday at practice, which which was a suggestion that we shouldn't expect a change of quarterback. But if I was Gundy, I also would say the same thing. Why would you tip your hand to the Texas Longhorns and let them and give them any indication that you were going to make a change? But, man, it sure feels like it's time, though, right? I mean, at least to me, it's it's time to find out if Spencer Sanders can uh, energize these guys and, and present something different. Uh, to opposing defenses and just see if, it can, if they can make it look better because, I mean, the status quo isn't getting it done. It's no good. Yeah. I, I, I want to get to Spencer here in a minute, but first I'm curious about the entitlement and apathy thing and, and just where you think that, that stems from. I, I know a lot of fans have you know talked about Gundy being complacent and, and all these different things. I, I'm, I'm curious about just where you think those things come from and, and kind of tr- trickle down to into the locker room or, or wherever. Well, I mean, you've seen it at OU too. I mean, like when, when you have a sustained run, that's really good. I think guys come into the program and think, well, this is just the way it is. And they don't realize all that went into it and all the work that was required and the investment and, and, I think they just have some guys in the program now who weren't part of the growth of the program or the development into what it is today. And they just, uh, you know, they just show up and they put on that uniform on Saturday and think, okay, it's our entitlement. It's our birthright, you know, to win games here. And it's, it's just not, it's not going to ever be that way at Oklahoma state. It's just not, I mean, they have to sustain that, that edge that Gundy's teams had for so long. And this team doesn't have it for whatever reason. And, you know, Gundy has alluded to that in regard to talking about leadership and the void that was left when people like Rudolph and Washington left. And and I just, you know, I just don't, I don't, I'm not around the program every day like Mark is anymore. And, but it's just my sense when I am around it, that you got a bunch of guys who uh, are really, really super good athletes, I mean, they, there's no question they got talent and, and 
a whole bunch of really good football athletes, but it's just not clicking. And, you know, they fired Glenn Spencer, whose defense gave up 409 yards a game last year, and now they're giving up 470 yards a game. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I mean, they got they got issues all over the place. But to me, uh, and one of my radio partners here in Tulsa, or up at Tulsa is is uh, a former a former uh, TU and NFL offensive lineman, and he gets on me all the time for this. But uh, you know, because I talk a lot about the uh, offensive line, and to me, the whole funk that the program is in begins with the offensive line because Gundy's Gundy's really good teams. Always had uh, his 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 certainly his championship team and the Dana's team in 2010 and the Zach Robinson teams. Those were damn good offensive lines, and, and they controlled games and everything started with them. And they were the reason that OSU went from being fifth in the South to being, you know, contenders in the South when there was the South, and. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, we I haven't written about Wickline in a while. I haven't talked about him much in a while. But man, you can draw you can definitely draw a line at Wickline's departure and the disintegration of that offensive line culture. And uh you know, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think I think Joe Wickline was a really massively significant guy during those formative years for the program. And they just haven't replaced it. Josh Henson eventually might, but um, you know, it's just like, are you, are you kidding me? I mean, we're talking about like five seasons now of offensive line play that, at its best, has been average, and at its worst, has nearly got Dax Garman killed. And <laughs> uh, well, you saw what I saw. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, they, they gave up they gave up forty sacks that year, Carson. 40. I mean, no, you almost I mean, have to like, you almost have to like just stand aside and have a cigarette and watch guys rush the passer to give up 40 sacks. And that was a disgrace of a football, uh, of an offensive line that football season, just a disgrace. And, you know, and I'm not saying they weren't trying or whatever, but holy cow, I mean, 40 sacks and, and to, to get Dax Garman beat up the way he got beat up and, that was a team that nearly beat Florida State in the opener, or at least really stressed Florida State that night. But when you didn't, when you no longer had that dual threat, run threat quarterback in JW out there, when he got hurt, and you had a guy in the, uh, standing there in the pocket with Dash Garman, they were really exposed. I'm bouncing all over the place here, but I'm telling you, uh, <laughs> until they get the program, will not be what it should be until they get the offensive line fixed. Yeah, everything, everything looks better and functions better when the offensive line is what it was back in 08, 09, 10, and 11. I agree. I've, I brought that up uh, last week. Just that relationship with Joe Wickline deteriorating may or may not have been a Mike Gundy's fault, but you, you absolutely can draw a line right there on the offensive line when it, when it really – that's been the downfall of the entire team ever since he left. But I do want to go back to Spencer Sanders, uh, Bill – don't you think we're too far into it now to burn that red shirt, or do you think you should play him? And, and what have you heard about Drew Brown and Spencer Sanders behind the scenes? You're you're always one who knows things. What can those two just not play dead? Is that why Gundy's still playing well, Taylor Cornelius, or what do you think? 
I mean, I think Mike, Mike Gundy's hope all along was let's, A, I want to reward Taylor Cornelius for his commitment to the program, the ultimate program guy, scout team guy, stuck around, never pouted. Um, and, you know, if we can, I think Gundy's thought was, you know, I mean, Pat Jones came to me after watching OSU scrimmage in August and said, this is a 10-win team. And I thought, well, okay. I mean, I bought into it. I thought that because the schedule was front-loaded with so many winnable games that they would have great momentum. And I I remember thinking if they can win at Manhattan, man, they're going to be 7-0 and going into Texas. And, you know, obviously here we are at 4-3. and three. Um, But you say, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what I hear about Drew Brown is that he gets a lot of passes knocked down at the line of scrimmage. Um, He's he's somewhat athletic, somewhat mobile, but but not a guy who can do what Brock Purdy did to OSU's defense. He's not a guy who can do what Zach Robinson did to to defenses. Um, Spencer Sanders, I mean, at least at the high school level, was that kind of quarterback. I mean, here and here's something I've heard about uh, from a guy I trust who has seen a lot of Spencer Sanders practice reps, and he says that of all the quarterbacks in the Gundy era, that if you rank guys, all the quarterbacks in the Gundy era, if you rank them by arm strength and just live arm, that Brandon Whedon is one and Spencer Sanders is two. So, uh, and you know, Spencer Sanders has been in the program with his boots on the ground. I mean, he's he's been to some extent uh, connected for a long time, and I think studying stuff for a long time. But in terms of being in Stillwater and being around it every day, what has he been there, Carson, since June? So four or five months, whatever. I don't know. I mean, are you are you willing to uh, go ahead and roll out a four and eight this season for the sake of preserving the record? I mean, it's kind of twenty fourteen all over again. I mean, are you gonna are you gonna go to Baylor like you did in twenty fourteen with Taylor as the starter instead of uh, Mason Rudolph? And then are you gonna run Taylor Cornelius out there in Bedlam twenty fourteen instead of Mason Rudolph? Or are you gonna stand pat this season? with a current, certainly, status quo that, that is not working, or are you going to roll the dice? I mean, I, if you ask Spencer Sanders, what do you want to do today? What, what do you think he'd say? He'd say, hell, yeah, I want to play. <laughs> well, I, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean hey, let me tell you something. I thought it was a big red flag when his mom tweeted the other day, you know, give my son a chance. Uh, because I would, I never underestimate the influence of a mother on an athlete, and I'm just saying, with the with the uh, scourge of quarterback transfers that we have in college football now, um, I don't know. I mean, it's inevitable. All programs are going to lose a quarterback now and then to a, a, a disgruntled uh, transfer to it because of playing time or whatever, and. I, I would just hate to see Spencer Sanders uh, be that be on that kind of list before we even get a feel for whether he can play. And 
he's the most gifted guy on the roster at that position. Uh, and I'm basing that on what I saw out of high school. But in high school, he was dynamic. He was phenomenal. Like I said, he was a Dave Campbell's Texas football player of the year in the state of Texas. Well, there's only 163,000 kids who play high school football in Texas. So, and, and OSU's got the guy who was deemed to have been the best player in Texas. I think I think I think you roll him out there and see what he can do. I mean, that's me. But yeah. you know, and, and you know, but but at the same time, I would have said exactly what Gundy said yesterday. That I would have led people to believe. Well, no, we're not making changes. Um, you know, we're just going to try to make it better. I'd have said the same thing. But but what's really going on behind the scenes? I don't know. Uh, whether we're going to see Spencer Sanders used in a situational role or a starting role or not at all. I had no idea. But that's part of the reason I'm looking forward to being there next week, though, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, another stat here for you, Bill. The, uh, Spencer was also the Texas AP High School Football Player of the Year. Other uh, players who have won that in recent years, Kyler Murray, Johnny Football, Kenny Hill, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, it's not like I think. I think people are sort of treating Sanders as if he's like, like this sort of highly touted guy, and like, just like another like like Rudolph was like your your kind of prototypical three star guy. Sanders is is the man. Like he is the guy, and I just I just think that they're. I think Gundy is if they if Gundy botches this to the point that they lose him via transfer, that is that's a catastrophe. I mean, it is. I, I, Absolutely. Just, I just, I just don't see how you don't play him in the final four games. I, I, I don't, I don't see any other way to, for this to play out than that. I have asked also, is there, is there, has anybody, at least the people I talked to, have you detected any sort of, um, of, of a problem in regard to football IQ or retention of what, you know, what is being taught, retention of what Sanders is learning on the field and in, in, and in video study with Yursich, any of that. And, and, and the guy said, no, no, he's a bright kid. He's a smart guy. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's maybe the consideration by Gundy that I'd really rather not put my freshman uh, franchise guy behind this offensive line just yet. But, I mean, they put Mason Rudolph behind an even worse line at 14. Um, and they played so better. I don't know. Oh, they, 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 even in that Baylor game in the rain, they were yeah. they were a hundred percent better. Now they lost yeah. the game, but but I remember that throw in the corner of the end zone uh, that Rudolph. I can't remember the receiver, uh, but but anyway, it might have been David Glidden. It was Glidden, uh, yeah. I think it, I, I think it was Glidden, and yeah. and and I thought, wow, I wasn't seeing that for the last two months, and <laughs> and and then you you know, and they had a little extra time to practice and get ready for Bedlam and. And Mason didn't like throw for 400 yards that day, but at least he kept the offense on the field uh, and gave him a chance. And they scored, you know, four touchdowns, which was four more than they were scoring against most other opponents during that dreadful five-game losing streak. And you know, and then they at least they had the door open for a miracle at the end, and they got it. Uh, but you're right; the the, the difference with Rudolph uh, was immediate. And undeniable, and I just think it's time to find out if 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 Spencer Sanders can kind of recreate some of that with this team right now. 
Yeah, I don't mean to beat a dead horse on the quarterback situation, but I, I do want to bring this tweet up from Ryan Simmons. I don't know if you saw this, but I wanted to get your reaction. This, this to me, kind of sums up the question, how in the world did Alex Kate play over Brandon Whedon? Here, here's the tweet from Ryan Simmons. The quarterback situation is not changing and doesn't usually. Corn has earned his position outright. When you're a vet, have shown you can control emotions, ability to make plays, and are persistent, you will have precedence. It's the head coach and offensive coordinator's job to keep him level-headed and prepared. That explains every wrong decision Mike Gundy's ever made. He's very loyal. He gives the guy with precedence, and I think that's what we're seeing here with Taylor Cornelius as well. Yeah, no, I'm 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 absolutely uh, of the belief that Gundy is to a fault loyal. I mean, I mean, think of the last uh, three weeks of the uh, 09 regular season. Not that Zach Robinson didn't have an amazing body of work, and had earned every consideration and every benefit of every doubt. But he was chewed to pieces. I mean, he, he, he wasn't physically able to beat anybody at that point. And then they go into Bedlam with Whedon having shown in the second half of the Colorado game that he can he could function and he could hit some big pass plays. And that he and Blackman, even then, had already been shown to, to be a pretty – dynamic combination um and then yet gundy went with an injured uh zach robinson who got even more injured if i remember right like in the first series i think he rolled an ankle um and then in the cotton bowl you know they were like one of a hundred on third down or something stupid and, <laughs> and so so well it was i mean they that was you know those were the last couple of games free dana and that was kind of the final straw with Gundy coordinating it, and it was it, everything just looked terrible. And but, um, well, the Kate thing was it, it was it was you know I heard forever and ever that Whedon just was not a good practice player, and that he, you know, but I mean Whedon was an adult with a wife and a house, and I mean, and he's standing around being the third guy, and he's got eyes, and his teammates have eyes, and they knew he was the probably the most gifted, certainly the most gifted thrower in the program at the time, and Whedon's standing there saying, no, wait a minute, Alex Kate is, is on the depth chart ahead of me. Alex Kate is getting the more substantial, significant reps in practice ahead of me. What What am I doing here? So, you know, I can kind of see, I would never condone a guy being, you know, lazy or, or not applying himself in practice. But at the same time, if you're waiting, you can kind of understand it. Yeah, totally. Doesn't justify uh, I, it. Doesn't really, doesn't justify it at all. But, but I'm just saying, I mean, hey. if Whedon was, Whedon was going to practice every day as the third guy, I'm sure he was thinking, you know, what am I doing here? Hey, what are we this doing is, here? I, we're going to look back in four years and say, I know you give me a hard time about this, Bill, but Cornelius over Sanders, just another in a long line of Gundy poor decisions at quarterback. It's every every three years he makes the wrong call. <laughs> well, but I don't know that it was the wrong call in the Missouri State game or South Alabama yeah. or even Boise, but I mean it's just right. I mean, how much more? How much more of it do we need to see? Yeah. No, you're you're right about that. I think that's a good point, and I think I think the point that you know they saved Rudolph until like I don't, I don't know if Rudolph would have been who he is if they play him in week two or week three or week four of that fourteen season. I think it matters that they waited until week week ten or I guess eleven, whatever it was, 
to play him. I, I mean, I you, right. you're just you're you're almost a sophomore at that point for all intents and purposes because you've been through the whole right. deal. And, and, and all that. So I, I think that we're probably going to see the same with Spencer. Uh, I think we can all agree that even if the quarterback changes, that doesn't solve everything. I'm curious just sort of what you've heard about. I mean, defensively they've been bill. They've been bad. They've been, they've been worse than last year and they haven't even played the, the good offensive teams yet. And so I'm just curious right. what you've heard about, about Jim Knowles fitting in and, and just the, the job that he's doing so far, because I don't really think it's been that good. Well, I mean, it looked great early uh, when you were lighting up people like like those teams I mentioned at the front end of the schedule. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there was so much fuss made early about, you know, their sack totals and pressures and all that. But really, those sack stats are they're pretty empty numbers when you're, getting gashed uh, for big pass plays the way they are. And when your run defense looks like it looked at K-State, it's like it's like if a basketball player leads the NBA in dunks, but it's so fundamentally flawed otherwise that he's not, you know, he can't make a free throw and he averages nine turnovers a game. I mean, there, it's just – what am I hearing? I'm hearing that, that Gundy and the players really like Knowles but it's just been uh, now since they've gotten into better competition, and it was really exposed by Texas Tech. But when they got into better competition, they they uh, there was a little cold slap in the face that maybe they weren't quite outfitted uh, with the kind of personnel that you know that they should have. And, you know, and I thought that I really thought that the young corners would be better than they've been, and I thought. Um, you know, losing Darian Daniels was a big deal. Uh, he's, he was maybe not quite Vincent Taylor, but uh, could have become some, somewhat close to Vincent Taylor. And so, no, I'm not, I mean, I'm not hearing any, any terrible, any big uh, uh, seismic grumblings about Jim Knowles. It's just that they're all disappointed with the way it's looked the last month, for sure. Um, I don't know. But I, like I said at the beginning, and I, it's just my perception. But I detected some, uh, I detected some lapses in effort on occasion the other day, and I think part of it was, um, I think at a certain point, when when it became apparent time and again that the offense just wasn't going to function and just wasn't going to get enough points that. You know, I guess it's human nature to some extent, but the, I just thought there were some uh, defensive issues. I mean, some uh, effort issues on the defensive side. That's unforgivable. Um, so I don't know. That's what I'm saying is, is OU went into a uh, an open date with a crisis of a situation, and Mike Stoops got fired, and then now Mike Gundy had an open date to give thought and consideration to, uh, you know, a lot of uh, issues, several issues. And so it'll be interesting just to see what, what they come back looking like against Texas. Energy, body language, that spark that I mentioned that they've been lacking that, that used to be so prevalent with Gundy teams, that spark's been gone. Can he get it back? And, you know, on the on the basis of having a couple extra days of practice and extra days to – 
you know, to talk with his guys and his staff, can they get that spark back? Because if they don't get it back, uh, the second half of the season is going to be uh, it's going to be very difficult to swallow for the for the OSU fans because they are backloaded with tough games. Yeah, you really wrote a good column about that. I would encourage everyone to go to Tulsa World to read it. It's kind of Gundy's five million dollar problem. He got a new contract. It's it's his job to get it fixed in the bye week, Bill. We'll get you out on this one, uh, Bill Hasten. How do you see the season playing out? Do you do you think they go four and eight? Do you think they make a switch quarterback? Just what's your prediction for the rest of the season? Oh man, um, I mean, I really wish I had a feel for. Because I've been asking, and I'm texting everybody I know with a pulse who would have an opinion on it, as to what is it, what they might expect on the on a possible quarterback move, and I'm just getting I'm getting nothing uh, that would suggest that something's cooking. But I also know that when Gundy really really wants to put a dome over everything, uh, he's pretty good at it. And he's pretty good at keeping people quiet. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'll just, for the sake of conversation, I'm going to guess that Cornelius starts against Texas, and but, but, but before halftime, somebody else, probably Spencer Sanders, is taking the is taking snaps at quarterback. Whether that's <laughs> a, one one possession or he takes it over and they drive the field and score. And he keeps, uh, and he stays on the field. I don't know, I, but I'm just, I'm just guessing that, uh, you know. And keep in mind too, uh, Texas is a real. Uh, I mean, there was a, that magic afternoon in the Cotton Bowl, but I mean, Texas is an enigma. I mean, Texas tried to lose to Baylor last week at home. Yeah, Texas, they did. Texas didn't score a point in the second half at K State. Um, and te- I'm not kidding you. If you. I don't know if you saw any of it at all, um, but Tulsa had legitimate ch- chances to score and win that game in Austin. Now, granted, that was that was coming off the Maryland disaster for Texas, and Texas hadn't hit its stride yet. But um, uh, and, and as far as the 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 back, the rest of the schedule. I mean, I don't know. It's not quite as daunting as it was as it seemed a few days ago. I mean, West Virginia got smoked the other night. Um, TCU isn't what we believed they would be. Uh, you know, Bedlam and Norman's always difficult, but um, it's just, it just, I just think so much of, of what, <clears throat> what we see uh, on the 27th will, uh, I'll have a, I'll have a much stronger and you guys will too. I mean, you'll have a much stronger, clearly defined expectation for the rest of the season after we see what these guys look like against Texas on homecoming after an open day. Because, yeah. I mean, at that point, everybody's got injuries, so you can't use that as an excuse. I mean, uh, at that point, there really are no excuses. You've had extra time to prepare and to think and to consider changes, and you you know what you got coming in. you got the Texas Longhorns coming in, and um, – so if, if that doesn't turn out well, and if it doesn't look good, um, then no. I mean, I could. I, I'm, at that point, I'm absolutely going to expect that that bowl streak's going to come to an end. Yeah, 
Well, uh, Bill, thanks for your time. As always, uh, it's always insightful, fun, enjoyable. Uh, be safe on your drive. I'm going to be up there for Texas. Carson, are you going to be there? You got a pregame show, don't you? I will be there. Yeah, it's on ABC. Prime time to watch Corn Dog take down the Longhorns. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not too. I'm not too fired up about that seven o'clock start. But no, uh, no, that, that's a selfish. That's a selfish deadline. Yeah. reason for that but but i mean talk about a great platform for osu too mm. to you know to, to come back and look better and to make a statement um and to you know i mean the big 12 uh, bob bolsby right now is just sitting there holding his breath praying for an ou texas rematch in the championship game i mean <laughs> and so i mean there, there would be nothing more satisfying for mike holder and mike gundy than to kick a dent right in the middle of that yeah, and, absolutely. You know, and to 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 flip OSU's fortunes while uh, while while beating Texas again. That's another thing too. Now I know we got to go, and but I mean, you think Texas isn't sick of losing to OSU? I mean, Texas, yeah. whatever Texas's A game is, I mean, they're going to bring it to Stillwater. You watch. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Bill, be safe, man, and uh, we will talk uh, soon, and we'll see you next week. All right. See you soon. Thank you. Okay. See you, Bill. Bye. Appreciate it. See you. Carson, what what are, what are they doing? Second best arm ever under under Gundy. <laughs> where, uh, where, where where are we at in society? I'm losing my mind in here. <laughs> the sheds. Oh man. Up in flames. <laughs> Bill burnt it down. Yeah. Man, that's uh, we, that's that's hard to stomach for an OSU person to listen to that. We need to. Uh, I, I got a lot of takes. We hey, didn't long- didn't you know Cornelius has a stronger yeah. arm than Mason Rudolph? Didn't you know that? We got to hear from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, where hopefully you can soon get your number three jersey T-shirts. Let's hear from Chris's. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986, and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, I don't even know where to start. Where where do we begin? Birthrights, Spencer, <laughs> seven, uh, prime prime time. Well, yeah, I mean the fact that they're lauding Spencer is that good. Like I thought you made a really good point with Bill Kyle. This is not just the top ranked recruit for OSU in a cycle in yeah. a couple in a couple years. It's right. it's literally ever. I mean. The list you went up and down. I mean, Vince Young won the same award, I believe. I mean, this is that level of recruit. And I think Gunny just made a major miscalculation that, that Cornelius could run the table uh, before they get to the meat of their schedule. Mm. And it's totally backfired. And I, I do disagree. I, I, I agree with you. Like, I just, I'm not burning an entire year of Sanders now for, tex- for the Texas game. That's literally what you would be burning it for. If you're gonna, assuming you're gonna play him the rest of the way, so I would, I'd probably hold well, off on that. Yeah, here's the flip side of that, though, Carson. The flip side is, let's say, let's say you play him against Texas, and let's say they start winning. 
Like, let's say they win three of four. I know this sounds crazy, but let's say they win three of four and get bowl eligible and maybe beat OU or something like that. Then all of a sudden you're like, well, yeah, let's just let's just play him. Let's just play him in the final game against TCU and in the bowl game, and then all of a sudden it's on to 2019. But then if it goes badly, like let's say they lose three of four, they lose all four, you can still sit him against TCU. You can play you can play whoever you want against TCU. You can play Keandre Woodtee for all I care against TCU. And so it's just this idea of like get him in as soon as you can to see what it see what's there. And then you could like you're not burning his red shirt by playing him in the Texas game. You're burning it by the fourth game. And so right. I think I think I think you could do that. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, what would you do? Well, you're doing a disservice to your seniors by not playing the most talented quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, as I, as I kind of mentioned, there's no guarantee that Sanders uses that fourth year that you're preserving. That that's, you know, he could leave. <laughs> he could transfer. We, I mean, now with this transfer rule with the red shirt rule, I mean, that would be you can transfer at any point. Disaster. Transfer this year. Com- Complete and total disaster. I I texted you this the other day. It it seems, again, we could be wrong about all this. Spencer Sanders might stink as a college football quarterback. I have no idea. It seems so obvious to me that we're going to look back on this and be like, there's another one. Gundy did did it again. And I just, I mean, isn't that like how this is going to play out? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I could tell after game one that Cornelius wasn't the answer. So I would have made a switch in the you know the non-conference and just wrote it out. And I think this is a point that Brian Keating's been making over and over and over, and, and it's a good point. You don't just punt an entire season to preserve a redshirt season of Spencer Sanders. You play your best quarterback, and you go from there. And I think at a certain point, he's doing a disservice to the seniors on the team the guys that have, you know, those guys aren't dumb. They can see what's happening on the field. They can see that they scored 12 points against Kansas State. And so, yeah, I, I would play Spencer and just ride it out. And you make a good point. If it goes south, just don't play him in the last game of the year, I guess, is yeah, I'm, the remedy I'm for that. So that's I'm a good in. point. I hadn't thought of it that way. But here's here's another question I, ha- I have, Kyle. What is Drew Brown doing? Why did he transfer to OSU? Did he, tra- did he literally transfer to Stillwater to back up Spencer Sanders next year? Because that's what he's going to do, right? Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I because if to he somebody, doesn't, if he starts mm-hmm. over Sanders, Sanders might just transfer at that point. He'll say, "Screw this, I'm out." I, yeah, he no, he's not going to start over Spencer Sanders. I, I talked to somebody last week who said that basically the plan, presumably, is for Drew Brown to back up Spencer Sanders next year. Like that's like not not just like like our plan, but like within the program plan now. Will it play, play out like that? I don't know. But it it does appear that Drew Brown has transferred to be the backup to both a fifth-year senior and a first-year starter in two consecutive years, which is a very, very bizarre thing. Right. He could have transferred a lot of places and, and played. Yeah. That's just – it's a, I, would lo- I would have loved to have heard the conversation between Drew Brown and Mike and Mike and just – <laughs> I guess I guess he's on board with this, you know. I mean, I guess he doesn't have a choice now that he's transferred. But man, that's that's a strange, strange thing. And uh, one more thing I wanted to hit on, Kyle. If Cornelius starts, which we all kind of agree that he probably will, and they go three and out, 
a couple times. Like how, how contentious is that atmosphere going to be? There, there will be boos. Mm, and know. this is where this is where I I feel bad for Taylor Cornelius. It's not his yeah. fault. Yeah. Mike Gundy's putting him in this position where he is becoming the focal point of the team's struggles because he hasn't tried anything else. If Gundy had just tried something else and it failed, people wouldn't be so against Taylor Cornelius at that point. But people want to see something else. The tide has turned. And they're playing the best defense in the Big 12 on homecoming. I, that could get that could get real ugly for, for everyone involved. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Bill had a really good point though about how like at the time, like against South Alabama and Missouri State, it probably was the smarter and, and this is where I think Gundy gets I'm I'm a little bit unfair to Gundy. Like I don't think you should have started Mason Rudolph week one against Florida State in twenty fourteen. That would have been insanity. But and so as the season wears on, it becomes more and more viable that that person can can start and can can, can play. And I I think we're reaching that territory with Spencer Sanders. I mean, it's just yeah. the, the the cacophony is getting a little bit a little bit loud. I mean, you're hearing it from every media outlet, all the fans. I mean, Gundy has to be like, I don't I don't know if he feels any of that pressure, but it's <laughs> if he does, then he's certainly feeling it right now. Well, what about his players? I mean, I know he said that he had an open door policy, and none of his players had come in to tell him, you know suggest any changes or whatever but how how frustrated are those receivers i mean they're not getting the ball he has completed less than 20 passes in five straight games and we all agree this was a legit receiving core so that i don't know it, i i do agree with you the tide the tide's turning and we'll, we'll have to see what happens but if i had to predict i would say spencer doesn't play until baylor what say you yeah i th- i think that's probably right which the narrative is is so juicy. It's the exact same thing as 2014. They get housed at K-State. They lose at home to Texas. And you start a true freshman on the road in November at Baylor with a 500 record needing to get a, to a bowl game. I, I, wanted to get your take, I wanted to get your take on Ryan Simmons' tweet. Does that not just sum up why Gundy's been wrong at quarterback so many times? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, and it's... It's not – I don't like – it's hard to hold something like that against a person. You're like, oh, he's loyal and cares about his guys. Uh, but it, it sh- for me, it, it shines a light more on like what a cutthroat business the, the college football is in like 19-year-old kids. It's just like – it's tough. I mean, again, like the – I don't dislike Taylor Cornelius, but at some point you're, you're a – you're a business that brings in tens of millions of dollars a year, $40 million, whatever it is for the, for the football program, 50 million. It's more than that. Uh, you, you gotta, you gotta make some tough calls, you know? And, and it's, it's, uh, it's easy to lose sight of that when you're talking about just kids running around throwing a football. It's, it's big time college football, Kyle. This is not little league. You play your best players. Well, and I mean, this is, this is your, this is your be damned. Yeah, this is your point about uh, OU. I thought that was such a great point about how, like, would this be happening in Norman? Yeah, imagine, imagine for for an instant, Lincoln Riley is trying to preserve Spencer Rattler, the number one quarterback in the country's red shirt, and playing a fifth-year walk-on quarterback that put up 12 points against Kansas State. And Lincoln Riley coming out and saying, we're not making any changes because there's no one that can help us. Like, there would be riots in the streets of Norman if that happened. <laughs> 
and, and I'm not saying OSU fans are content. I think they're they're mad as hell too. But I, it's just it's a weird uh, it's a weird thing to me. I just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, not at all. I was just looking up where uh, where Spencer Sanders was ranked in terms of incoming quarterbacks uh, in the recruiting rankings last year. Do you know where he was ranked? Number one dual threat. Uh, no. He was top, number f- top five. Five dual threat. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, he's gonna be a stud. He's gonna be a star. <laughs> I had one other point. I can't remember what it was. I mean, I could. We could go for. We could go for two hours on this topic alone. Um, yeah, I mean, Bill, Bill was was awesome as always. I, I uh, I'm just. I'm. I'm really glad I'm going to the Texas game because I'm really fascinated. I'm going to Texas, and then I think I'm going to Baylor the following week. And at Ooh. some point, yeah, at some point, this thing has got to. It's got to change. It's got to flip. And I think the theoretical Kyle Boone brought this up he said the theoretical that keeps Gundy up at night is what if Spencer Sanders isn't good when he comes in because I think we we like we look at we point to 14 and Rudolph and we're like look it can be like that well it can also not be like that it can be like Dax Garman I will it be I don't think so but it could be and then what well, then, then, the, the, the then what is you're getting better for next year. You're getting a, you're getting your best quarterback on campus experience. Now, is he going to yeah. be Mason Rudolph? Probably not. But at least you're you know this is a rebuilding year, is it not? You're not rebuilding anything with a fifth year walk on. You're not. So at least if he takes his lumps, he has seen Big Twelve caliber defenses before going into next year. Yeah, they got to play him. Yeah, you have to. Justin. Justin Southwell uh, said, uh, playing a Sanders in OSU throwbacks against Texas on homecoming sounds like the best idea ever. They got to just cancel the throwbacks, don't they? Just, they're not worthy. <laughs> just Barry, Barry can come out in one. He's worthy. Uh, I, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be a fascinating night. Okay, Carson, we need to, uh, <laughs> we haven't talked about uniforms yet. We need to get to, uh, this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, I wanted to, and I think I know what your answer is going to be, and I picked something different, but I wanted to talk about your uni Heisman of the first half of the season. I'm going to go first. Well, actually, you can go first because I, I think I have someone that you are not going to have. Uh, well, Tyron's the obvious answer, is he not? I mean, he was rocking yeah. the orange, the orange socks when they were all black against Iowa yeah. State. Those looked amazing. Solid. Yeah. Uh, my runner-up would be Chuba Hubbard. I think he looks mm. awesome in a uni. Good face mask. He has he's hindered a little by the number thirty, but he he wears it well as well. Yeah. Um. That's good. I like that. It's kind of out of the bo- outside the box. Uh, mine is Calvin Bundage. That's a good one. He was on yeah. my list. He does he he does the uh, like the high spat thing on his on his cleats like kind of up his ankles. I think that looks awesome. I think uh, is that because he's that hurt? Looks, <laughs> maybe. No, he had he had him on both. Uh, well, maybe both legs are hurt. I don't know, but he had it against K State. Uh, I love uh, defensive players single digits. We've talked about that. Uh, yeah, he, I'm going to go outside of Tyron and say Calvin Bundage is my uni Heisman for the first half. 
That speaks to my heart. My created player on NCAA always had number one and had spatted ankles. So yeah, it's great. That's, that's where I went with it too. <laughs> kids, kids these days don't even know what game I'm referring to. That's so sad. I they know. got rid of it. I know. Okay, we'll we'll end on this. I got a final question for you, Carson. I was thinking about this this week. Who lasts longer in Stillwater? I'm not saying who gets fired first. I'm saying who coaches longer in Stillwater from this day forward. Mike Gundy or Mike Boynton? I don't want to answer this. <laughs> it's such a tough question. Uh, if I had to, if I had to wager my next paycheck on it, oh, I'd have to it's say real, Gundy. I'd have to say Gundy. It's, it's tough though. I want to say Boynton, but he's just—he's doing so well. He doesn't have the the built-in ties that Gundy does. Yeah, and and let's be honest, basketball with all the FBI stuff going on, something could break with that. I just think there's more variables with with Boynton than there is Gundy. I think Gundy's a made man and can really call it quits whenever he wants to. Can you imagine me asking you this question the day after Boynton was hired in in uh, <laughs> when was that seventeen? Right before Washington and Rudolph were about to won the big 12 title and we didn't know who this guy was. And now a year and a half later, we're like, ah, oh, this, this is a real question. He's won me over, man. He's, he's done a great job. Yeah. We're, we're like more excited for basketball now than football. Who would have thought that? <laughs> I think the answer is Gundy as well. Um, yeah, there, it, it's, it is hard though, because there's, there are different things in terms of Gundy that could happen. He could retire. He could, you know, USC could just throw like stupid money. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but he rides uh, his tractor to UFC, USC. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. I'm taking my tractor to LA. Is there a worse fit for LA than Gundy's Carhartt jacket? No. And ski pants. No, nothing. <laughs> I guess when they play Utah, he would be good. Um, on, on okay. real, real quick on, on yeah. Boynton. Wouldn't, wouldn't Marcus Arroyo, head coach at Oklahoma State, be a little Boynton-y with just recruiting elite level guys? You've been, talking to Kyle, you've been talking to Kyle Boone. You're the original Arroyo lover, I thought. No, Boone. Boone. Well, look at look at Chuba. I mean, guys like Chuba and JD King. Yeah, freaks. And Oregon's top five in recruiting right now, despite Didn't he, losing their head coach. <laughs> Didn't he? Did he recruit Justice too, or was that pre? Was that pre? Uh, Arroyo? I think I think that was Singleton. Okay. And Justice was probably coming here anyway. He's an yeah. OSU guy, but but still, no. I did. I, I thought about that when I saw Oregon in the top five in recruiting, despite having a brand new coach. It's like Arroyo's yeah. just killing it. Yeah, he just he just kills. He just crushes. Like, who cares if he can even coach, right? Just let him let him recruit top ten classes. That still this still this, this is my point. Like, give give Arroyo like half of Gundy's money. Call them both head coaches and just get you know go have the best program in the Big Twelve. <laughs> I'm sure Gundy would like that, and over <laughs> half his salary that he fought so hard to get. Yeah, that's good plan, Kyle. Um, <laughs> it would be fun. Nah, it would be a blast. Okay, Carson. Uh, enjoy the. I guess you're. Uh, you have OU this weekend. Yep, we're down in uh, Fort Worth, down near you for uh, OU TCU. It's on ABC. We'll have a pregame show at ten in the morning on Saturday. If people want to hate watch uh, OU, all our OSU <laughs> listeners. 
I love it. I'll be I'll be up. Uh, we'll talk before then, but I'll be up next week for homecoming, and we will uh, reconvene next week when after Gundy once again denies that Spencer Sanders is the second coming of Brandon Whedon. And then we'll uh, we'll meet under the neon palms after he beats Texas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. <laughs> okay, we'll talk to you later.